Welcome to the Cincy Postcast. I'm your host, Kevin Wallace, and we have a really fun episode lined up for you today. In part one, we are talking about what a fantastic couple of weeks it's been to be an FC Cincinnati fan. We've got U.S. Men's National Team call-ups. We've got a new designated player. We've got Lucho Acosta to the U.S. Men's National Team. Is that a real thing? It is. And in part two, we have a fantastic conversation with Bobby Reeks talking about all sorts of different things. Just a really fun sports conversation, and that's going to be your postcast. Joining me to talk about bah, that fortnight for FC Cincinnati, I'm joined by the one and only Chief on assignment, parts unknown. Chief, I forget where you are. <laughs> it's um, it's a beach that is on a bank that is on the outer part of the United States, and I'll let you figure out where that is from that point forward. Hilton Head, got it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Actually, no, we're in a place called Corolla. Which is fun Ooh. because it sounds like Corona, and then you drive further up the road, and there's a Corolla light, kind of like Corona light. So <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. It's neat. I'm uh, spending a lot of time sitting on the beach working on my sunburn. Oh, I I am very jealous, but I will also be going on vacation next week, but not a beach. So very yeah. jealous. Very jealous. Uh, no, Chief, I I was trying to think of this uh, before we hit the recording button here. Has there been a better two-week stretch for FC Cincinnati fans in FC Cincinnati history? I mean, every two weeks. It's like a rolling best two weeks ever. <laughs> every two weeks that we have yes. is the best two weeks ever. It's kind of like it's like that scene in Office Space where, yes, um, yes. <laughs> where Peter Gibbons says to the therapist, Every day I wake up feeling worse than the last, which means that any day you meet me is the worst day of my life. And the guy's just like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so it's like that, except the exact opposite. Right. Put your thing down, flip it and reverse it. Yeah, these are these are the good old days. This is like every. I want to take you back in time to just Please. think about what things were like as recently as two years ago. Yeah, with. Gerard Nijkamp and Yap Stam running the organization and just a relentless parade of bad news, signings <laughs> that weren't working out, players being brought in that were terrible, new contracts being added. It was about this time, I believe, that we added one Kenneth Vermeer to the oh. roster in that time period as well, because the goalkeepers on staff weren't meeting up to Gerard and Yap's high expectations for the number of shots they needed to save. Because we couldn't possess the ball. We couldn't stop teams on defense. So, yes, yes, these are the best two weeks ever of FC Cincinnati. And God damn it, is it fun to be a fan, even when there's no game happening this week? I like even the problems, which we will we will talk about here. But even the problems are like the best problems. Yeah, in champagne the world problems. This is great. <laughs> the, just the team is so good. They are victims of their own success. And by them being victims, I mean, really us as fans being victims. They're living their best life and it's all working out for them. Uh, just as a selfish FC Cincinnati fan, I, I am a little sad at times. Uh, but no, this is this is incredible. So 
let's let's quickly go through. I say quickly. You know, this is the post. Come on now. Um, let's go through these last couple of weeks because I think we even glossed over it in the the postcast before where we talked about this. But FC Cincinnati won the hosting rights to the eastern half of the U.S. Open Cup against Miami. The most ripe draw for rigging i think i've ever seen (laughs) like the fact that it wasn't rigged was a win and we are a win and a coin flip as far as i can tell from the west a win and a coin flip away from hosting the u.s open cup like jesus christ (laughs) but like think about the storylines at play right here like if fc cincinnati is going to win its first trophy there are no easy buckets (laughs) <laughs> You're going to have to go through Lionel Messi to win yeah. the first trophy. Yeah. What a great story. I love this. No, bring this shit on. No, <laughs> I'm saying that, uh, hoping against hope that it isn't Lionel Messi and like five of his DP, not really a DP for salary purposes, <laughs> friends playing on this team. But as it stands right now, no, this is awesome. I can't wait. I was fully prepared to fly down to Miami to watch this game. And Lionel Messi is coming to Cincinnati, Ohio at TQL Stadium and will be gracing us with his godly otherworldly presence. And this is this is awesome. This is when they put a soccer team in Cincinnati in the USL. Never in your wildest dreams did you imagine that this team would be in MLS playing a game against Leo fucking Messi. Like this is this is bananas. I mean Assuming he plays, which I guess isn't a guarantee, but assuming he oh, plays. Oh, he's playing. He's right, absolutely right? playing. It's the only chance they have at a real trophy is him playing and winning two games, right? Like if he is as good as he is supposed to be, he can will this shit team in Miami to two wins in a row and, and claim his first trophy. Um, but we've, we will have gotten to see Zlatan and Rooney and Messi. And like, this is why you want your team to be in MLS. Like obviously the rooting interests aside, but like, we get to run with with the big names and the big dogs, and yeah. that's really fun. Leo Messi ain't showing up to the Harrisburg City Islanders, okay? That ain't show, that ain't happening. He ain't <laughs> showing up to the Richmond Kickers. If he did show up to Harrisburg, I imagine they they too would try to lock him in their stadium, like they yes. did to our dear friend Pat Brennan. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, we uh, in again in these last two weeks, we got rumor confirmation of rumor signing in like four days, maybe. FC Cincinnati is signing a new striker, Aaron Bupenza from the Saudi Arabian Super League. He comes with a massive goal scoring record. Two years ago, uh, he was the leading goal scorer, maybe three years ago, the leading goal scorer in the Turkish League. He did very well in Qatar and did very well in Saudi Arabia. The man has a hell of a highlight reel, and this is your Brenner replacement, right? Yeah. And you know what was great about it? He took to social media and he's already saying hi to the fans. One fan, yeah. one player won't say goodbye. The other <laughs> player is using his social media for good. I'm so excited about this signing. I'm yeah. I'm so happy. I think we said, talked about it a little bit on the last podcast. We did. We did. But, but I want to I just want to now that it's official, <laughs> I just want to reiterate how awesome it is that this club, they could have gone out and signed a YDP. They didn't. Mm-hmm. They went out and they got a full DP. They paid a uh, a decent transfer fee, the biggest transfer fee we've paid under Chris Albright to get a player that can help score goals immediately. Yes. Lionel Messi is going to play in this U.S. Open Cup. 
Upenzo is going to play in this Open Cup too. You know what? Cool. That's awesome. We don't have to wait for someone to develop. This isn't a prospect. And you know what I love about this too is that like rip the Band-Aid off immediately and just do it. Like yes. we all, they announced it. We announced it. The team announced it. He's going to be over here. He's going to be, you know, acclimating, hopefully, to Cincinnati, get his housing situation sorted. All those stupid things that you don't think about yes. for a multi-million dollar athlete, that if it's, it's a headache for you to move, it's a headache for an athlete to move. Yes. And to get all the shit sorted out. And by making the deal early, you're giving runway and making this more likely to be a successful move. Like, we've been lucky in the past with a lot of these signings that they've worked out so quickly. We don't need to worry about that one at this time. He'll have plenty of time to acclimate, get himself into the squad. This is great news. I love everything about this, and I love that the club is not keeping this a secret, like some the nuclear codes or something like that. Everybody knows he's coming. <laughs> Just announce it, and let's all move on. Yeah, uh, so excited about this. And, I mean, looking at his career, he's from Gabon. He goes to Turkey, goes to Qatar, goes to Saudi Arabia. He does very, very well. He bounces around. I'm thinking he might acclimate very quickly. He's used to this. He is he has been down this path before moving to a new country. Hopefully FCC smooths that runway out for him and he gets to uh scoring goals. I should also say, I should I should defend my name here for just one second. He he plays for Gabon internationally. He will do that this summer. Um I was quickly perusing Wikipedia to confirm a suspicion I had, which was that Aubameyang also plays for Gabon. It turns out he does, but he hasn't been called up recently, and he wasn't in the last few lineups I looked at. And so I said, nobody of note also plays in Gabon. And boy, I was a little wrong. Yeah. Just a little wrong. No, you got, dra- <laughs> you got dragged sufficiently on the Discord on that one that I wasn't going to say anything unless you self-reported. Hey, I hand up. <laughs> that one's on me. It's a big world. We all make mistakes. I, I Not unlike the Caribbean nations where the nation has typically one star per team that is playing regularly in the in the top flights of, of Europe. Um, I did not want to miss country Aubameyang and, and find out that he's actually from the Gambia or something like that. So... That's that one was on me, but no, it's super exciting uh, for this one. And yeah, like I think we said this before, but July 5th is the earliest he can come in, which is good that he'll be able to come in so quickly, but bad yeah. because for the next yeah. couple of He's gonna, weeks it's gonna take us some time to meet all his teammates it turns out <laughs> the uh, u.s men's national team amongst other national teams has come calling and uh, we have a number of players heading off to their various national teams not the least of which are matt miazga and brandon vasquez off to the u.s men's national team to play in the gold cup chief on a scale of excited to see them get their call up and they're due for the national team and sad that they're missing FCC, where do you fall? Yes. <laughs> so my Fair. first thought on this, and I want to know your take on this, is so the Gold Cup is a massive disruption to the MLS schedule. Yes. Yes, yes it's, absolutely. It's an unavoidable situation with the schedule we play because it's played in this FIFA window that players cannot be refused if the national team calls them and they want to go, correct? Yes, yes. Given all that, why aren't we playing the League's Cup right now? Like, why not play the League's (laughs) Cup during this otherwise disrupted portion of the season so that 
yeah, teams may be missing a player here or a player there, but at least those absences don't impact yeah. the actual competition of MLS. Like instead, the league is having the worst of both worlds where there will be games played where teams aren't at full strength due to the Gold Cup call-ups, not just for the U.S. men's national team, but for all the other nations competing in the Gold Cup as well. Um, and then we're going to further disrupt the season in August when they just shut the damn league down to do, the goal, to do this League's Cup. Why not do them both at the same time and we wouldn't have to worry about this? I completely agree with you. However, Money. we agree because we value Major League Soccer more. This tells me Major League Soccer values League's Cup more than their own league. That They view that tournament as the future proper moneymaker, and they want to defend it, they want to protect it, and they want full-strength teams. I wouldn't be surprised if at some point between now and the end of the year, we find out that the league was going to find teams if they fielded B teams or or however they want to define that. I I imagine MLS has a lot of eggs in the basket of the League's Cup being a success. But I agree with you because where League's Cup works is that you are using the brand names of the Mexican teams and the cool venues of the U.S. teams and the markets of the U.S. teams to merge them that at that point, the players almost don't matter. It's like the International Champions Cups of tournaments where it's like right. you're here to watch Dortmund and yeah, Christian yep. Pulisic will pay for three minutes because, you know, that was contractually obligated, but you're yeah. here to just watch Dortmund yeah, jerseys run around. I'm here to, yeah, I'm here to root for Chelsea. I'm here yeah. to root for the Blues, do like the five songs they do. Yes. And then like I can say I've seen Chelsea play. Have I? Not really, but I was still in Orlando when they got thumped by Arsenal and it was cool. Um, <laughs> Here's the problem where that all breaks down. I don't give a fuck about the League's Cup. Right. <laughs> There's no one that cares about this. Like, maybe you can sell me on the idea that this is a 25 or a 30-year project to make people care about this, but I don't care. Right. I just don't give a shit. And the other thing, too, is that even if you could get me to give a shit about the League's Cup, it's still not a real cup because right. we don't go to Mexico to play any games. Like, right. it's... It's all the it's a it's a tournament staged for money in the United States. It's not a real competition between Liga MX and MLS because you can't have a real tournament between Liga MX and MLS <laughs> right. because they don't play the same schedule and they don't play by the same roster rules. Everything about this is stupid. Right. I don't care about it. I care about my team winning the Supporters Shield and winning MLS Cup. So don't disrupt that. Come on. And the structure of it would make more sense to coincide with the gold cup because the group stage is it's a more forgiving because it's three teams and two of them get out. So you can get away with missing your stars for the gold cup and the Mexican teams will be impacted as well. Their domestic stars will be presumably going to the gold cup um, and other Caribbean nations that play there as well. And uh, whatever South America and, and whatever else may be going on. Um, and then as teams get knocked out of the gold cup, they would be able to refill the MLS rosters, the league MX rosters, and then the knockout rounds are slightly more fair, right? Like that makes right. way more, more sense as a structure also also very stupid that the gold cup is every two years instead of every four years like the euros like african cup of nations which might be on a three-year cycle i don't remember uh but it should be on an every four-year cycle opposite the world cup that makes a ton more sense and they should stop doing these stupid tournaments so how do we fight back do we just not attend the league's cup do we boo <laughs> 
do they have a league's cup anthem like the say, champions yeah. like do we do we boo and turn our backs or take a knee when that happens is that what we do like how do we how do i show my displeasure that the league is prioritizing this cash grab while forcing my club to play without matt miazga and brandon vasquez i uh i want to be clear that this is not advice that this is not a suggestion but if you didn't want the league's cup to continue stabbings between Mexican fan bases and U.S. fan bases would probably no, no, shut no, no. it down. No, this is not where I thought this was going. <laughs> no, disavow. Just, disavow. Hypothetically, <laughs> if shit. these things happened. <laughs> yeah, murder. That's a great way to stop anything. Whoa, Jesus nobody Christ. said murder. Nobody what, said naming? murder. Okay, that's better. <laughs> You're leaving what? yourself an enemy. That's that's <laughs> terrible. Hey, uh, according to Mexican <laughs> officials, those uh, those scenes a couple of years ago resulted in zero deaths. And uh, yeah, so no, um, I was just thinking like, you know, the piss <laughs> bottles and stuff like that. They use at Azteca. Like if you make this a tournament where they have to bring the dudes out in the riot shields to guard the people taking <laughs> corner true. kicks, like maybe then it'll go away. I don't know. Uh, or would that add to it? You jumped like, right. To, you jumped right to monkey knife fights. Like Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying, if you wanted to know what would shut it down. Yeah. <laughs> a terrorist attack, too. You want to suggest that? Jesus. I would, I would, I would not like to. Oh, God. So. Wow. All right. Instead, instead of all of that. Instead of all uh, we've that. Got... So, so we've got Brandon Vasquez and Matt Miazga out for a string of games. So I'll pose the question to you. Please. You know, Captain Stab a lot here. Um <laughs> How how worried are you about this run of games without Matt Miazga, especially knowing that the first one of them, I think, is without Yerson Mascara, too? I was going to say, Yerson Mascara called up to the uh, Colombian national team. We've got Junior Moreno called up to the Venezuelan national team. I don't think that is supposed to miss. Uh, I don't think he's supposed to miss time. I think those windows are just in time there although there's apparently risk that we will lose alvis powell for the jamaica national team in the gold cup he was not caught up on a uh, provisional friendly roster but it's not to say he doesn't go up for the other one um yeah i this is where grayson would be chiming in it's like boy if only someone suggested that we should have signed another center back at some point (laughs) turns out uh god damn it he's right great and you know, it would have been nice to have that DP striker up until July 1st, huh? Would have yeah. been real nice to have one of those nice. around. Yeah. If only um, he wasn't if only he wasn't so severely hurt that he couldn't even work out anywhere, post pictures of himself sir, really enjoying. He's getting two injections a week, I'll have you know. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've I've moved on, but I'm still bitter. Like the, the internet trolls are right. I'm still bitter. I will move on when it stops impacting my team, which is two weeks from now and not now. So, uh, oh, shit. I'll give you the spin zone. I will say Hagland, if he's healthy, <laughs> yeah. uh, is, is perfectly fine. And Ian Murphy has been fine. So if they are two starting center backs in a sort of makeshift back four with, depending on Powell's availability, him as the uh, right center back, it's not the worst back line. I, let's say FC Cincinnati has certainly fielded worst back lines in Major League Soccer. All right. Right. Uh, and Vasquez, while a miss, I mean, if Santos is healthy and Baji's putting away goals, I think we'll be okay. 
I got so, I got a solution for the back line. Please. Give Nick Hagland a knife. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. If, I don't want to kill him. Just, you know, in the leg somewhere that'll slow him down. If if defenders don't want to post up on him, he'll do better. <laughs> it's like that scene in the movie Hook where the guy starts to steal second base and the catcher just pulls a gun out and shoots him. <laughs> He's stealing second. It's just a gunshot goes off and the guy dies. That movie is twisted for a kid's movie. Um, it really is. It should be more nightmare fuel that it ended up yeah being. they throw a man in a box full of scorpions and just keep yelling boo at him that's like it's <laughs> horrendous it's so fine. it's with, fine with these uh with the misses that miazga is a is a catastrophic it's a miss. catastrophic miss like that's yeah. i feel like that one's gonna bite us brandon vasquez we're gonna miss him a lot more than we yeah. think we are i think that's fair but my spin zone on brandon vasquez and tell me if this is a lot of copium and hopium on this one that he's getting a little bit of a break right here. Mm -hmm. He's going to go in with the national team. And maybe this is something, because it's clearly between the ears right now with Vasquez. Right. He's getting into good positions. He's playing well. He looks physically in good shape. And it's just something has to kickstart the mojo with him a little bit. And maybe a little stint with the U.S. national team. Maybe he has a good practice. Maybe he scores some goals in a few of these games. And maybe he shows back up after his international duty, ready and full of piss and vinegar for this home stretch. And we can get that version of Brandon Vasquez last year who played his way into the national team. That's my hope on this. Am I crazy? I love it. I do hope that. It's very possible. But let me give you the negative spin zone, which is he got fucked up in the head the first time he went to the U.S. Men's National Team. It's possible he gets worse well, coming back out. No, I've seen enough cartoons. The way you cure amnesia is hitting someone in the head again. This is like, like I understand that caused the problem. So this will fix the problem, too. Just do it again to him. Yes. Uh, I mean, in fairness, I think the coaching staffs have changed like three times in that time. So who knows who's actually knows, going to be talking God knows to what they're, God knows what they're filling his head with now. <laughs> That's a good point. Um, Grayson's been hammering home the fact that the U.S. men's national team's current interim head coach is a, a defensive line coach. So he, he does look like if like AI generated Ted Lasso, it would look like that. It does, actually. Like, it looks like the actual American football coach that Ted Lasso should have been. <laughs> right. Yeah, that was the whole part problem with Ted Lasso. He's, he's nowhere near big enough of a meathead to be a, no. a fo college football coach. He didn't, he, didn't tell someone to, he didn't tell someone to row the boat or he didn't have like, you know, like T-E-A-M on the back of his fucking polo like a dweeb. Yeah. Like, Jesus. that's what a football coach is. It's not someone that comes out as lead tasso. It's someone with really awful cliches who's used to conning 17-year-olds into signing away four years of their lives. <laughs> I want I want a recast Ted Lasso. Maybe deepfakes can just accomplish this for me. A, uh, a Ted Lasso, but it's Coach O as Ted Lasso the whole time. <laughs> Coach O, just like straight from the bayou over to the Premier League. Like now, leering that, at the owner's wife. That would be phenomenal. I want I want that because then it's hilarious when like nobody understands him speaking English. <laughs> Ted Lasso, except it's Tommy Tuberville going over to the UK to, because he's been exiled <laughs> from America. <laughs> that would be that would be rough for Tommy, I think. 
I don't think he would be <laughs> greeted as a hero. Hey, Chelsea's defense can't get any worse. Let's go. <laughs> oh, God. Well, speaking of U.S. There's and no, there's, national there's no team tra- There's no transition from that. Don't even try. I got nothing. <laughs> USA, U.S. men's national team. We're talking call-ups. We're talking, apparently, Lucho Acosta, Chief did I dream today or was these were these real things I was reading? What a bombshell. Like the funny <laughs> thing too is that like on the Discord, Grayson just posted this cryptic message like, hey, anyone listened to Laurel's podcast recently? Which kudos to him for respecting the paywall. I love yeah. that about him, that he's a rule follower to the extreme. But then Bogert just drops the bomb on everyone today. Lucho Acosta, deep in the process of seeking American citizenship with the support of FC Cincinnati. Pat Noonan, Chris Albright, and apparently already in talks with U.S. soccer about potentially switching nationalities to America. This is such cool news. Like, I don't I'm not a U.S. men's national team hardo like a lot of people are in soccer. Like, I'll watch them. You know, I'll show up. I pay my thirty five dollars in blood money to AO so that I can get tickets to matches every so often. Um, But man, Lucho Acosta becoming an American and playing for the U.S. national team is just such a bananas thought. It's really hard to, like, fathom what this all means. Like, yeah. this, is so, this is so cool. It's like it's like that thing. You almost giggle when you talk about it, just at the idea of how absurd the process is. It it really is. And I mean, we were talking about it as like almost a joke last year going into the World Cup of like, where would Acosta and Brenner fall in a hypothetical U.S. men's national team depth chart if they were eligible? And would would Acosta make this team? Would he be useful? And like the the thing of it is, is that like the only comparable player in the pool is Gio, and he is one primarily a winger. In fairness, and two, never available. The dude, if he's not having his parents absolutely ruin his life. He is not healthy. Like him and Pulisic at this point, I think have maybe had their talent stolen by monsters and are just trying to hide that fact from everybody by just never actually playing, but just right. having everybody in their orbit still try to tell everybody like that they're still those, good. All those baseball players that cycled off the steroids when testing started and all of a sudden like the power numbers dropped to nothing. <laughs> Yeah, we don't we don't talk about that that time period where we just let everybody revert back to the mean, as it were. Yeah. Um, so I think like it's possible he doesn't start because they don't want to build the team around him, and that totally makes sense, and that's fair. And we don't know exactly how old he will be when he is actually eligible. There's a chance he's not actually eligible until the winter of 2026. And who knows what kind of player Acosta is in the winter of 2026. So it's hard he's to get got, too excited. He's got skills that'll age yes, well, though. I mean, how late true. in his career did Cesc Fabregas play with mm-hmm. like pretty similar distribution, like point guard of an offense type skills? I mean, we're about Michael, to see Mike, Messi do this. Michael Bradley, same yeah. kind of situation. His skills kind of aged well. And I don't know, because here's the thing, too, is that even if there is some skill degradation to Lucho Acosta. Mm-hmm. We've seen what 25 minutes off the bench Lucho Acosta looks like. Yeah. And it's fun as hell. It's yes. metal as hell when he comes off the bench. He's done it twice and scored both times, I think. 
It reminds me of like a 2015 era Clint Dempsey. So post World Cup, he became like the best super sub because he was free flowing attacker, would try dribbly shit, would just come with a fire in his belly into games late that he could will victories basically. I could see a similar thing with Lucho here. So he yeah. just turned 29. He'd be like 32 when the next World Cup comes around. I'm guessing and, this story also doesn't get out if there's legs to the idea that this can happen quickly. Yeah. Like I, if there, if it was a hard no from U.S. soccer, like there's no chance you're going to become eligible. Like we've talked to FIFA. Don't even bother with this. Right. I tend to think this wouldn't be reported the way it is where like the words being used are fast tracked advanced in the process yeah. people making phone calls on his behalf so this is one i'm gonna be cautiously optimistic on for the time being just because the reporting doesn't seem like it would be this way if there was no chance that we were going to ever see him in a u.s national team jersey. yeah oh for sure i do think it is worth throwing a little bit of caution up uh nicaragua recently <laughs> kicked out of the gold cup uh, for fielding an ineligible player for this exact issue that they had a player who they thought was a naturalized citizen, but they found out later that through the uh, through FIFA statutes, he hadn't lived in that country for five years consecutively. He had lived there for like four years and seven months and he played in a friendly or something, and that disqualified them. They yanked him out of the Gold Cup, and they relegated him in League's Cup or Nations League. Uh, sorry, <laughs> I can't keep all my right. made-up competitions uh, straight. And, uh, yeah, so anyway, I just hope that, like, this is all straight away because Lucho, if we take away his little stint in Mexico for a year, has been here for five years and and checks every box. If you restart his timer, and I am not an immigration lawyer, I have no idea how any of this stuff works. He may have to be waiting another two years before he has the residency thing there. But then that's a FIFA rule, and I'm sure they allow exceptions from time and to I'm time. Sure, I'm sure enough money changes yeah. how the how the yeah. math is being done, too. Let's be real right. about this. So I doubt they pull one over on U.S. immigration, but I bet you could bend a FIFA rule here or there to get Lucho up and running, especially if you spin it as, we need this guy to host a good World Cup, and you want the host to look good, and please right. give us one hosting advantage. So and, and also this too. Would there be a more electric pregame moment oh. in FC Cincinnati if they bring out Lucho onto the field with like his class or whoever it is, and he gets sworn in as an American citizen on the field at TQL Stadium and they play the national anthem right after that? Oh my God. <laughs> especially <laughs> if especially if his kids can, down on the field with them oh. and his wife, you know, they're already, I think his kids are already Americans. He mentioned in the story that Laurel wrote that part of the reason he's doing this is that his kids are already U S citizens, I think. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, the entire Acosta family, they're down there. They got the team lined up behind him. Everybody gives him a big hug when he oh. joins the, the family, so to speak. So you do this, but it's, pregame to a u.s men's national team game friendly or otherwise <laughs> so it's the rah-rah america crowd i just get hyped up looking at new americans being you know created in front of hey, their eyes hey <laughs> if, let's see how fast they want to do this we got something coming up here in july <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> oh my god! What is it? A quarterfinal, a semifinal game comes yeah. up, and, and yeah, Lucho he, comes he takes out. the oath of citizenship, and then they walk over and they hand him his U.S. national team kit. Like, <laughs> oh, I'd be dying. I'd be oh, dying. God, I'd be weeping like a man child. It would be so cool, so oh, patriotic. <laughs> I, I absolutely, absolutely love this. So yeah, I mean. What a way to cap off, uh, a, I said before, a fortnight of FC Cincinnati excitement. And, and none of these, I mean, somewhere in there was a disappointing draw to Vancouver, but like yeah. pretty fuck, solid fuck off it. the field couple of weeks for, for the old FC. I'll tell you what, it sure beats what I thought this week was going to turn into in terms of just like the team going away and me not being able to think about them. <laughs> oh, no, they're front of mind, nah. whether you want to think about them or not. But for all the right reasons, because these are the best two weeks in club history. <laughs> see so you, good. See you on Sunday when the clock resets. <laughs> oh, man, who who thought that the bye week would be so, so eventful? Um well, I think we're just going to do two parts on this one. So part two here coming up, a lovely conversation with Barstool Reeks, one of the uh, one of the out and out bloggers and one of the few Barstool personalities that will bother mentioning soccer. So yeah, golf club for that one. Bravo. Appreciate that. And um yeah, he lives here locally. Uh, it was a really, really fun conversation. Uh, we kind of meandered all over the place, but I think if you enjoy sports and FC Cincinnati, I think you're going to enjoy this conversation. So, yeah. Uh, enjoy that, and then otherwise, see you next week. Enjoy the bye week, everybody. On joining us on this Fantastic edition of the postcast. We are joined by the one and only Barstool Riggs blogger extraordinaire. Riggs, how you doing tonight? Good man. How are you guys doing? Thanks for having me on. Oh, we're doing great. I mean, right now, pretty good season for the old FC Cincinnati. So our sports world is is looking up right now. <laughs> yeah, so I'm a bit of a weirdo in the Cincinnati world where I don't like Cincinnati sports except for FC Cincinnati. It's like because I'm like I think people don't realize I'm not from here. I've lived here forever. I right. went to school at UK. So I've spent now like 17 and a half years in the general area, but I'm from the East coast. So it's like, I, I don't <laughs> like the Bengals. I don't like the Reds. I don't like UC. I don't like, I'm indifferent on Xavier. I love FC Cincinnati. It's, and I was so glad when they got a soccer team and the success from USL and MLS. it's, this season's been unbelievable to the point where I, I was, I'm sure we'll talk about it, but I feel like I catch myself getting more into MLS kind of around this time of the year as like mm -hmm. Premier League right. dies down and like the bigger sports that I find myself watching more tend to die down seasons end, and you're just left in the, the summer going like, well, what am I going to watch on a Tuesday night where it's like I've ran out of TV options and it's, great with the fact that uh fc cincinnati is just awesome this year because yeah. it's tough like it's not tough because i can i can put on a soccer match and know it's like at two hours you're in and out right it's it's great right. from a, right. a viewership standpoint but it was tough when it was like four one losses every single night and you're just like yeah. 
all right, can we just get to the second half and like, keep it close? <laughs> right. I thought it's like a as a U. I thought as a UK alum, it's just kind of like Kentucky football a little bit historically. It's like <laughs> you show up, you watch a little bit, and they're out of it by halftime. And it's just uh, that, yeah. was my, that was my freshman year where we where we won like three games, and I was just like, oh no. So the the reason to come here is just to hang out and then figure out what you're doing after. Kentucky <laughs> football now is good. Maybe like Kentucky yeah, now. football and FC Cincinnati need to be like parallels just going forward because. Uh, <laughs> Listen, I would. I like cheering for good teams. So it's like, give me, give me the good teams. I, I want it. I want to see Cincinnati to continue to be good. Because um, I've seen. So I, you know, my background. I in o, oh, in 06 or 07, I worked for the New York Red Bulls, and mm. and I I was there the year Beckham came over. Oh and wow! So yeah. I, I saw the hysteria of MLS big name, especially in New York. You know, yeah. when he came to, to play at, at 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 Red Bulls. And, you know, it's not like the, the Red Bulls. I, I look back on the roster, you know, when I worked there, they had Josie Altador, Clint Mathis, Juan Pablo Angel. So they were, like, you know, big names. Yeah. And it's crazy looking at the MLS now and, and, and where it's come from in the, what, almost 20 years that I've at least, like, Really got my foot in, you know, watching and working within MLS to now, um, where luckily I just get to be a straight fan and not have to bite my tongue at certain things. But it's it's great for FC Cincinnati because I was I, I tell people all the time, like FC Cincinnati fans should be feeling good, you know, rightfully so. But I tell tell people all the time, like Ohio is a massive soccer state, and I don't think yep. people unless you're obviously like a diehard soccer fan, whether it's club country, don't realize Ohio is loaded in terms of soccer fandom and the talent that the state produces. So having, you know, we see, we saw the Columbus crew, you know, they, they have the history for FC Cincinnati to kind of turn into this, I think is good for the league. It's not like a, you know, the whole small market versus big market debate that is kind of currently going on with the whole messy situation. I think the more you get the FC Cincinnati's of the world in this like soccer hotbed is better for the growth of MLS. So from a soccer, just a pure soccer fan standpoint and like a diehard U.S. soccer fan standpoint, I hope yeah. FC Cincinnati just keeps winning every year because it'd be awesome. Yeah, I don't feel like the small market, big market thing maps onto MLS, you know, all that well. Since like roster spend is like right. so small compared to how wealthy all the owners are, but also like, look at the two New York teams. They're both like kind of no offense to your past the rebel, but they're both kind of like afterthoughts of like large global organizations, you know, yeah, so they're not going to concentrate and spend big on those teams. I guess it's more just whenever the player from Europe that is ready to come over to the MLS, you just hear the same teams, right? You always yeah, right. hear, you hear, you know, or you hear Toronto, you hear, one of the New York's, the Miami, the LA's. And I feel like at some point, I hope MLS gets where, where what you're saying of it's not like baseball, big market, small market, where it's just, this is, they can spend whatever they want because they're the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Dodgers, not the Rays. I hope, you know, I hope it gets to that point where it's just like, Hey, if it, and I think MLS is getting better where it's not the retirement league anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. The way, or if you get, 
whether it's a, a domestic guy coming back from Europe and wants to play back home or just, you know, the European guy who's, who's ready to come to MLS, I hope there's just not the same routine of, okay, well, it's the same four clubs you hear kind of who, where he's going to go. And I hope it's more like, well, that club's really good and the fandom, the stadium, everything else that goes along with it, throw in the, and just list the, the teams that you kind of forget, not forget about, but the cities you kind of forget about when listing sports cities. Um, Cause I think that's honestly how you just continue to grow MLS within America. And it's not only growing MLS within America, but it's also growing the sport within America. Cause like, it's interesting yeah. what you talk about with the Ohio being a low key soccer state that most people wouldn't even recognize right. if you didn't live here. I have kind of the opposite experience of you where I grew up here and then I moved to the East coast. And when I lived out in Washington, I had always taken it for granted growing up that, well, everybody I know played soccer growing right. up and I get out there and all of a sudden it's no, no, no <laughs> none of us played soccer. We played little league. We played basketball, lacrosse, and I didn't have a lot of friends in high school that played soccer growing up, whereas everyone I knew out here played. And I kind of think that to your point, that's when things will hopefully take the next level, the next step for MLS as as that youth participation continues to grow. And now in Cincinnati, for example, when I played soccer, um, there wasn't a pathway to becoming a professional in America. When I looked at like who the heroes were in sports, you know, everyone I knew owned um, Come Fly With Me, the Michael Jordan video. We all wanted to be basketball stars. We all wanted to be football stars. Well, now if you're 10 years old, 11 years old, and you're playing sports as a kid, maybe you've got a Luciano Acosta uh, wallpaper on your phone. And that's an idea that, oh, I can play for my team here in Cincinnati. I can go pro doing this. And I have a pathway in my head as to why I should keep practicing, keep playing soccer. And I think that's kind of hopefully what's going to take off in this country, I think. Yeah, I agree. And it's like, I think we're, we, and everyone listening and anyone kind of not to sound crass, but anyone with a brain knows the MLS isn't going to be the premier league, right? It's no. never going to be, it's never going to be a top three league in the world, but can it get, it can solidify itself as a top five. I, I don't think that's crazy to say when you talk about the youth movement where Maybe I was blinding. So I grew up, you know, I was born in Jersey. My whole family's from Jersey. And then I moved to Pennsylvania when I was young. And I grew up kind of on the Maryland border. So right, hotbed of soccer in, in Maryland, too, was, was not far away. But, you know, I played soccer my entire life because my dad played and played in college. And so maybe I was blind to what, but I realized, like, yeah, most of my friends, like, I played soccer as a secondary sport in high school. Like, I was a basketball player right, first. Right. I happened to play soccer because I played my entire life. I was decent enough at it to be a varsity player. And it was like, okay, well, it gave me something to do in the fall. Whereas <laughs> what, with what you're saying though, it was also like, well, okay, even if I'm good at soccer, what does that mean? Maybe right. I play a, a college for like a small time college and run around for four years. But it's like, you can't even, you never even think of like, well, what about soccer coach career? Whereas like with other right. sports, football, basketball, and even baseball to a degree, I feel like the youth sports, as you get older into like junior high, high school, when you start realizing like, hey, I'm not going to be the starting point guard for the New York Knicks. Uh, <laughs> what about, but I like, I like basketball. Maybe there's a coaching path for me here. Right. Where I think even for soccer, that could be a thing where that the growth of the MLS and going and, and even US, you know, USMNT where there is a path in a, a soccer career if I truly love this sport. 
And I think that's big for, I think even people older than my, my generation, like I'm 36, I think maybe a little older than me down to like our kids ages where that groundwork could be laid and, and really pay off down the road for hopefully, you know, country success at the world cup. Well, I don't think people realize necessarily, I mean, people that follow MLS do, but I think there's a lot of soccer fans who don't follow MLS. Maybe they only follow Europe and they follow like the national team. Right. But, um, MLS provided such a good platform for people to come up like in an organized way through academies and into a professional league and maybe somewhere greater. But like if you land in MLS, like that's still it's a good right. a professional, yeah. that's right. still like a good, you know, professional job. And like when I remember I first like got into soccer when I was like a really little kid during the like 94 yep. World Cup and leading that's up to it, you dumb. know, that's about my time frame of, of, fandom and like most of those guys didn't like have professional teams they were playing for or they were playing right. like indoor soccer or the shout out know, for heat yeah <laughs> just, like, just like random you know uh cincinnati riverhawks type right. type teams you know or they're playing like the fourth league in in belgium yeah. or something like that just because right. that's where they ended up being able to make forty thousand dollars and and have it last year over year over year but I agree where I've gone are the days of the early MLS where it was like, Hey, we can pay you $15,000 to be a professional soccer player. And it's right. like, uh, I can get an entry level, like inside sales job and make triple that. So and you, have to, and you have to bring your own cones for practice. Too. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> but where it is like, it's a lucrative, it's a lucrative league. Again, we're not talking some of the European money or for, Sure, not the Saudi money being thrown around, but <laughs> yeah, but you start as like an entry level accountant or something. Yeah, right. It's a you know, like it's, where a... it's like, hey, I can, I'm good enough to play in MLS. I can at least give it a try and not feel like I threw my life away because I passed on making a hundred thousand dollars for whatever. Like you said, I, I graduated from, you know, well, let's just say UNC because I felt like that's where everyone in the '90s went. UNC or Virginia <laughs> graduated graduated with like an accounting degree, and I passed on you know, this stock market job or whatever. And it's, it, it is great to see the growth because like my fan of an MLS kind of went like this, where I was always a same thing. 94, I fell in love with team USA. And I remember always world cups. I'm, I need to sit down and watch the USA play and, and other international teams where you just knew the guys, right. You knew everybody from Italy, you knew everyone from Brazil. And then once the um, MLS started, it was like, okay, like I was still in Pennsylvania. So like, I'll just cheer for the Metro stars. Cause they had Tony Miola and like the red and black yellow jersey just kind of look cool. And then like, when I got older, it just fell out because you know, your brain can only care about so many things at once. And then when FC Cincinnati really picked back up in USL, I kind of realized and weirdly like the whole thing with the crew and selling to Austin and that really brought me back from just watching like the playoffs or the, the cup or just, you know, now it's like, Hey, it's a, it's a Wednesday night, you know, cause the last few years, Hey, it's a Wednesday night. And I don't know, LAFC is playing Portland. I'll at least start on TV too. If I'm watching something else on TV one, just to see like, Oh, I, I know, I now know I can name 16 of the 22 players on the, on the field. <laughs> <Right>. Whereas <laughs> in the previous days, you're like, 
I got one. I got two. <laughs> the the one national team guy, right? right the the right. one Mexican player that you remember. Uh, I'm curious too that you, you bring up the growth of the league. How have you been? Uh, I assume you've you've downloaded this at some point. How have you taken in the uh, the Apple Season Pass product? How does that compare as a uh, a sports product? It's tough because it's new. Right. Right. And. Like, I do miss just being able to flip on Channel 64 because yeah. I knew I knew that's all I had to do, right? I, I knew right. at 7 to 30, I just put this on, 7 o'clock it's on, and I knew I was going to be able to watch a match. Or And then it, it also, it's just the way my brain, I, I'm weird. Like, I know I'm fucking weird. But <laughs> the fact that I have to go to a different input to get to my <laughs> Apple TV, like, so again, to be very frank, drives me fucking insane. <laughs> because I think it's because like at halftime I can't switch off to something else. Right. And right. It's just again the way my setup is wired, where if I have multiple TVs on and I hit input on one, it's going to send the input to the other one, and then I just get flustered. Right. If you think it's it flus- if you think it flusters you, imagine asking a bartender to put this on the- when you're out and about when they're trying to sling four drinks and, and you're asking them to figure out input to and switch to this streaming service. Right. And let me tell you, they have no time for that, even if they get the fucking service. And Apple TV, <laughs> like Apple TV has great shows. I'm sure we all watch Ted Lasso and, and everything else that, that's on there. But it's a new, it's not a, it's not the standard, right? It's not like, right. Hey, can right. You, it's, it's on streaming ESPN, like a college football game. Oh, you know, it's the one game that's on, um, you know, streaming ESPN. Can you just throw that on and nine out of 10 bartenders know what that is, that means as opposed to, Hey, can you put on Apple TV and then get to this service? Like, no, no, not a show. You gotta put it on this though. Right. Um, because like the MLS matches on. And again, we're not talking soccer specific bars. You're t- we're talking the, Hey, I'm going out to catch a, you know, the, get a burger and drinks with some friends and hopefully watch the match. And I think about that streaming in general sports, I hate it where mm-hmm. I just miss the ease of knowing this channels, this game, this channels, that game, this yep. channels, this conference, this channels, that sport. So it's definitely taken me time to get used to it. I think now that again, when we get to the dog days of summer, it'll be easier for me to just be like, oh yeah, Apple, like, just switch to Apple TV real quick. I'm sure it'll be f- somewhat fine in the long run. I do still have questions, but I have questions about streaming in general in, in the sports world going forward. I don't know. I just wish, I really wish like Fox and FS1 or ESPN or CBS and the TNT, you know, the Turner networks, one of those just really went all in and, and invested in, in MLS because it just the ease. I think it, it makes it makes it seem more legitimate to the casual fan of yeah. oh, this is on the same channel as all the other sports. That makes sense as opposed yeah. to why do we have to go to like the Ted Lasso right. channel to put on right. soccer? <laughs> I think you so, almost saw that with the NHL this year where they'd been on NBC Sportsnet for a while. And now all of a sudden, now they're all on the, the Turner networks and ESPN again. And all of a sudden they're on the same channel that inside the NBA is on. And yeah. you've got, you know, biz doing a pregame show. And it's like, yeah, all of a sudden this feels more legit. And I've seen more people talking about the NHL this year because the product is just more accessible this when year. When you hear the promos, right? 
you get the promos yeah. from the inside the NBA crew for the hockey game the next day, and you go, right. actually, I don't have anything going on. Oh, that's right, 9 o'clock. Let me just throw this on, because why not? Like, I see people talking about it. MLS, I think, I feel like I've seen one promo. Right. Yeah. For Apple TV, I should say, not for the, the, the national games or anything else like that, but for the Apple TV. And it's like, hey, it's free now for a month. And it's yeah. like, uh, that doesn't sound, <laughs> I, I know why they're doing it, but it just, again, yeah. I'm trying to like think as like the casual fan of help, like, how do we help legitimize this, this, this league so more people stop making the like same redundant joke that has been made from 1998? I mean, it's and, a, it's the same company that just released a three thousand five hundred dollar VR headset. So I mean, <laughs> what could possibly go wrong here? <laughs> I think <laughs> I almost want to like see it in real life just to right? see how outrageous that. No, I is. I said this on the group chat, the group text that we've got. It's like it's one thing to build a five hundred dollar VR headset. I'm just gonna roll my eyes at that. You make it three thousand five hundred dollars. All of a sudden, I gotta know what the fuck this is doing to justify this price point. Like it's, you have my attention now. It's the opposite. It's the opposite of streaming where it's like five hundred dollars. Like okay, yeah, you, it's enough of a pretty penny to like just throw away five hundred bucks. Thirty-five hundred bucks. I'm like, I'm gonna throw away thirty-five hundred bucks because this better be the best fucking thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, but it's weird. Like, it's just the streaming is weird. I, I, yeah, I don't know. Like, it, I, I, like I said, I wish one of the three major carriers just th- invested everything into it. And I understand, I understand the business, but it does make it tougher. Until I think every other sport besides baseball kind of dies out, and you do have that window from about two weeks from now until really training camp starts for the NFL to yeah. where that's what MLS and it's like baseball's biggest problem. They don't dominate it. If the MLS can somehow find a way to dominate that six week stretch, like college basketball does in March and, and right. NBA does from, you know, May until now. If, yeah. if just get six weeks, I don't, I, I wish I knew the secret. Like it's, is it getting your, the rivalries during that, that time where, you know, every big rivalry should be played when there's really nothing else to compete against. So it doesn't get lost finding the right time because yeah, I don't know. What do you guys think? Is it better? Like, let's say, you know, FC Cincinnati, the crib, right? Like yeah. Columbus, that's, that's what the majority of people in Cincinnati are going to want to watch because they, they know the history there. Yeah. Do you think Tuesday at seven or Saturday at seven is a better time? Saturday at seven, Saturday at seven. I think I, I, think it's, I understand it's a, it's a, it as a TV product. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So for a TV audience, Tuesday at seven, you know, you want to have a great program right. Tuesday night. You know, there's a reason why the NBA tends to play the finals games on weeknights or Sunday nights. They yeah. don't play a lot on That's Saturday what I was gonna night. Say, Sundays. I think the way to go. I think so too. I think so that, that's like, that's really, what they did to us this year, though. the the away uh, the away crew game is a Sunday night for that exact reason. It got flexed to Fox Sports One, but very annoying as an away fan to go travel to that game on a Sunday night. So right, but if they could in this like six week stretch where you're only competing against baseball and, and golf, to right. where if you could put on, and again, let's say one of the carriers invested the money in it, if you could put on three back-to-back-to-back rivalry games, obviously, like, 
East Coast, Central Time Zone, and then the late night game to where you have six hours of soccer plus coverage from what? Sunday at two till, mm. you know, like a 10 o'clock game, a nine o'clock game at night from the West Coast. I think that's a way to at least draw in more viewers. And then that helps the league. So again, I think MLS is in a decent spot. It's definitely way better than it's, than it's ever been. I just wish there was a way to, to draw in and, and really capitalize off of a World Cup year or, or going into a World Cup year. So I have this longstanding take, and this kind of pivots a little bit to your wheelhouse here, that what you're looking for and what you're describing is the U.S. Open Cup. And yeah. what they haven't done that they should do is that they should model the U.S. Open Cup after the most successful format for a single elimination tournament ever identified by mankind, the NCAA basketball tournament, put out seedings, yeah. put out oh, a bracket, yeah. and play it over the course of like two or three weeks. 100%. Where you can look at your team and see, okay, I have my matchups here, and I can go through the bracket and see where my potential matchups would be. You can get excited about if upsets happen along the way, where the entire thing is known ahead of time, and play that through because it combines everything Americans love. It combines underdog stories, single elimination formats, and the ability to print out and fill out a bracket, which I think is just hardwired into our DNA as Americans. I agree completely. <laughs> like, obviously, we just watched the end of the FA Cup uh, on, on Saturday, right? right. And, it, and it worked out perfect in, in England world with the Manchester Derby. But I agree where, you know, FC Cincinnati making this run and I'm like, okay, wait, what round is it again? Like, okay. Right. Wait, when do we play Pittsburgh or was it like, they're still alive. Well, what's it? What, who's that live out West? And right. what happened to the region when we had like the crew and everything like that, and, like that four region pod or Louisville and that four region pod. And then I thought we played the winner of that. And yeah, it's very confusing to like, if you don't have something to quickly look at and just go, Oh yeah, we're in round four. We play the winner of Team A and Team B, and we're two steps away from the Final Four. And you didn't I, get, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, I was just saying, yeah. I agree. Jam it into the three-week three span. You're going to get a flavor of that with the League's Cup in August. It's not single elimination, but there's going to be games like every night for a couple of weeks, and it's going to, and the, the, MLS season is taking is taking a break. Right. And they're just going to play through this whole League's Cup tournament. Now, I'm like, it, maybe it'll be cool, but I would like to see that happen with like the U.S. Open Cup. I agree. Which I think but is a cooler tournament. I, I agree. And if you can, again, just dominate that three-week window where – people are invested and in, and because there are so many good stories that come out of the u.s open cup oh yeah whether it's an underdog making a finals or you know monster team a versus monster team b and you truly get one versus two and yeah there, there are so many good stories to where i mean and cincinnati fc cincinnati has had their own from usl days where it felt like it started catching a little bit of national attention yeah, but then it kind of fell off, and it's like, well, why not run with it? Because again, like at, at the time, if you're a casual fan, it's like, well, okay, well, we lost in, in this round, 
I'm going to check out who wins this anyway, so because why not? Like, we right. made our one. I still want to watch. Um, that might actually be better if they move it to, like, like this stretch now where the MLS, you know, you can still set it up with, like you said, with the seeds where the MLS teams come in, you know, round two, round three, whatever. Have those rounds start in two weeks. Yeah, or, right after or, the NBA finals. Like, just figure out. I was gonna say, like, one week from now. Like, yeah. start at Father's Day. Yeah. Like, Father's Day weekend. Or maybe right after Father's Day weekend, because you don't go up against the actual, like, the U.S. Open golf. Started that Monday. And it's just like, hey, you have soccer on every night for the next 16 days or whatever. Yeah. yeah I think people would be right in on that. I think people would, I think it would be electric. I think it would be yeah. incredible. It would. Back it in. <laughs> Back it into the 4th of July is the final every year, right? So it's the U.S. Open Cup. is a great, big, patriotic yeah. event. <laughs> or no, figure the day to have the final legitimately is you have it the day after the baseball all-star game where there's absolutely else. Is on. Nothing, it's like you're yeah. only competing against the ESPYs. That's it. <laughs> and, that, and that's, I think, like, I want to say that's always like July 11th, 10th, yeah. somewhere around that, yeah. that time frame. So you still get enough rest days. You still have enough teams. And then... Like you said, if you jammed it in NCAA tournament style and why, you know, let's say it's on Apple TV, fine. But why not do like a red zone thing where you can do like the four boxes and be like, okay, I want to watch, you know, again, let's just say Seattle and Chicago in one game and New York and, and New England in the other game and FC Cincinnati and, you know, whatever in Austin in this game. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. I, it, it's a underutilized property for sure, and it's it's looks really bad for U.S. soccer. They didn't even have their broadcast partnerships lined up for the Open Cup like weeks before this kicked off. There were for the first time in a while they went back to some games not even getting a broadcast. You had to get lucky with a fan live streaming on That's YouTube or so something bad. from the stands. It's, that just can't happen. No, right? Not in twenty twenty three. It can't happen. I mean, right. so it's never been cheaper to broadcast a sporting event. You used to have to have a satellite truck park somewhere, and it's like, okay, not going live, I get it. But now, with the ease of being able to stream anything, not having just the basic setup for a broadcast, completely inexcusable for any league these days. If I can watch SWAC Big Sky <laughs> basketball on a Wednesday night, right. by simply just hitting a button on my phone, on my TV, how is a major league event sporting event hire interns to call it like who cares like give them a chance right like you know what i'm saying you gotta have the the big name announcers whoever you like i'm not gonna guess because soccer announcers seem to be so polarizing <laughs> but whoever you like just have you know if you're around like let's just say you're around here right have a uc or xavier you know broadcast journalism major yeah. Call a game. Give them a shot. Like maybe you find someone. Maybe, you know, maybe you get a little lucky. I don't know, but it, there's no reason for it not to be broadcast. And then again, it's not even having the announcers. You just need someone to announce it. You just need video of the game. It's not that damn hard. <laughs> Uh, well, I, I you've been very gracious with your time, but I would be remiss if I did not ask you at least one college basketball question. Oh, whatever. Before, I'm, I'm good, man. 
<laughs> so, uh, I mean, we, we talked a little bit about it, the NCAA tournament. Uh, what are your thoughts on the University of Cincinnati joining the Big 12 and with that, the Big 12's, I guess, goal to build a basketball super conference as their strategy out of this? I mean, it's a great, it's a no-brainer move for UC. Um, they had to get out of the American. They had to find themselves somewhat of a safety net, which they've seemed to find in the Big 12 with all the craziness that's going on in conference realignment. Right. But, you know, I do wonder how, how long it'll take them to be successful in the Big 12 because it is a gauntlet top to bottom in terms of that. <laughs> and when you're talking about basketball, football, I think they can contend, although – then again, they do have Scott Satterfield, and I've watched Kentucky <laughs> kick with a wide receiver at quarterback. So he, he does seem be, to be giving off some Tommy Tuberville light vibes. A lot of Tommy Tuberville vibes. <laughs> Which is a good lot. for him. He'll be in the Senate in like seven years. Say, right. so, what? He'll be running for president in 30 years? Um, Tuberville. But um, I like Wes. I, I do like Wes Miller a lot. You just you you got to get a little bit of luck in terms of like landing a couple of recruits and having them work out because how do you compete every year with the Kansas, the Baylor, the Houston, the UConn? You just go, go down the list. Yeah, <laughs> oh, don't, I, that'd be solid. I don't even like. So I don't. I, I mean, I don't. I don't care about UConn. They just rip my heart out as a Kentucky fan every year. <laughs> but. Them, if they leave, and I know, again, I understand the business, and I understand that everything's money, especially in, in the college athletic world. UConn leaving, <laughs> you know, having to get kicked out of the Big East, basically, stuck in the American, being the <laughs> one school that I gave credit for, too, for dropping football, basically, just saying, we're a basketball school. So, yeah. football team, you fucking figure it out. I don't know. <laughs> we're going back to the Big East. Turning into a national title winner and then being like, oh, fuck you, Big East. We're actually going to the Big 12. You're a Big East school. Like, would you UConn say- needs to be playing Georgetown, Villanova, Providence, stuff that we're used to. If I see UConn, Iowa State, Big 12 regular season game, I'm going to lose my mind. Would, your opinion, so would your opinion change if someone told you that the civil conflict was returning with Central Florida oh. the Big 12 again? Uh, if they do a trophy presentation after every game, no matter the sport, I need it like at midfield. And I want it to be or whatever, not even sport, like at the volleyball net, at you know, mid, midfield and soccer, midcourt and basketball. And, but I need everyone to react like the Big 10 does with their trophies. Where yes. you know, like, uh, who is like Wisconsin, Minnesota run after the axe, like yeah. they go crazy Just, after a win, get like, like running around at full speed on the field, <laughs> holding the trophy up towards I the student that. section. I, yeah, I actually just need to turn into like a true soccer celebration, like lift it over your head, have the confetti <laughs> going, build the I stage want, at midfield to have the trophy presentation. Yeah, right yeah. yeah. everyone's shirts off and they're wearing that weird, like, medical bra looking thing, it doesn't <laughs> yes. even matter, just so conflict everywhere. You got to do the weird arm dance that every soccer player does. Yeah. (laughs) They're all just celebrating in the locker room and their underwear sliding around for no apparent reason. (laughs) I love soccer. (laughs) I love soccer. We have the worst celebrations of all time. We have the worst celebrations of all time. It's just, why does everyone think, just leave your jerseys on. They're comfortable. (laughs) Soccer is the most comfortable jersey, top to bottom. You don't have four pads. 
jerseys are comfortable. You're just regular shorts. They're sleeves. Let's get right. one up on basketball immediately. Right. Why? Why is everyone just in their underwear immediately? <laughs> I don't understand it. I guess if I looked like a soccer player, I'd probably want to have the jersey off at all times, too, for the most part. Yeah, but it's like, it's instant. It's yeah. instant. Yeah, it's just... Instant thirst get... trap. It's just made for, the, it's made for the social media generation. Soccer, we just need to get better at title celebrations. We can, <laughs> well, the arm dance can only go so long. <laughs> the, the confetti, like the lifting of the cup and the, oh, like, yeah, I, I, like, I actually do like that. But it's like, all right, we can't be doing this for like six tier Scottish soccer. Like we gotta draw a line somewhere, <laughs> and it's uh. Well, the problem is the nets are too big. So if they try to do the cut the nets down, you'd be there all fucking night. Just the guy with the scissors going across the court. <laughs> uh, but listen, like soccer fans are as crazy as college football fans, especially when you go overseas. Just let all of them run out and lift it up like Tennessee with the field goal. Just let them throw it into a river. Cost twenty five bucks to get another net, like. Just let them throw the goals over. Who cares? <laughs> That's how we grow in America. If we started getting celebrations like college football, we might be onto something here. I if if Cincinnati gets to host the Open Cup final, and should should we be lucky enough to win it, I think we have to haul the goposts out to the pitch. I might and... lead the charge. <laughs> I, like, I kind of have to now. I said it. Tearing the goalposts down. <laughs> by myself, like, oh, this is really heavy. I'm not getting anywhere. What you really uh, need is you need, like, the cops with, like, the Tennessee State Highway Patrol, like, standing there, like, making a line around the goalposts, just daring anyone to get there and take them down. <laughs> that, would, that would honestly be a hilarious that image of just people like, like the cops protecting the yeah. goal like it's all actually those, gonna happen like, all those ohio state troopers with those big dumb hats like all standing around <laughs> making a perimeter a couple of them escorting pat noonan off the field into the locker room <laughs> someone just tries to bring out giant suitors to cut the back <laughs> You know what? I'm actually all in on this. Like, <laughs> might leave that. Might be like, tell my wife, like, listen, good chance I get arrested tonight. But you won't. It's really good reason why. I'm going to steal could, the net. We, we could smuggle some garden shears <laughs> yeah. in. That that won't be a problem. I'll just That's bring my own. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> as long as you hold them over your head when you walk through the metal detector, they can't say anything to you. I think. I'll just keep passing them around. Be like, no, no, you bring them in that way. Then we'll pass them over this way. <laughs> They'll never know. Um, that would be awesome, though. Cincinnati <laughs> hosting the U.S. Open Cup would be awesome. I, I, I really want that to happen. Uh, we're mm-hmm. tantalizingly close. Like, this is this is going to happen. Oh, so, God. I do have a college basketball question, too, actually, to keep it, uh, keep it on the level here. Better rivalry, Xavier UC, Columbus Crew, FC Cincinnati. Uh, it's Xavier UC, I think. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I feel like I'm a Xavier season ticket holder. I feel like the shootout has lost a little bit of its luster locally from when I was a kid. It just doesn't seem like this. It doesn't seem like what it once was. That bums me out a lot. And honestly, I feel like FCC Columbus now might. It's on the rise. Yeah. It's on the rise because. And like, I'll, I'll, I'll do it on purpose just to annoy fans where I'll be the obnoxious FC Cincinnati fan after a, a win. Like, of course we won. Do crew even have a team? And they're like, <laughs> like guys, I'm clearly joking around here. Um, <laughs> but UC Xavier is a special kind of rivalry because it's, it's built on true hate. Like there is true, true hate between the two. 
and somehow both have little brother syndrome where yes. it's like they also have the worst shit talking ever where oh, it's, they, <laughs> it's the same thing it's it, we talk about the soccer celebrations being the same thing i can i can write like i can chat gpt uh, a xavier uc uh basketball conversation where it starts with <laughs> when you want this shootout from most likely xavier where uc says yeah but you haven't been to a, a final four ever to where a Xavier person comes back and says, well, we've been to this many Sweet 16 since you've last been there, to where a Cincinnati fan comes back and just says banners with something that – and then to, then Xavier responds with, well, you you and your parents weren't even alive when that happened. And see, <laughs> it's the same conversation every time. Right, and like the, the UC fans are all posting from the Grail, the Xavier yep. fans are all posting from Dana's, Dana's, and it's the same, yep. the same 15 people having the same fight <laughs> right. over and over again. It's like the coyote <laughs> and the sheepdog just it's clocking just, in every year. They're just going in a circle the entire time. <laughs> there is a level that the UC and Xavier rivalry can get to, though, that it's a, yeah. I don't think MLS fans – can handle like if there was an ending like that and i'm not a uc or xavier fan so i've been watching it from afar but right um, georgetown year, not exactly having a lot lately that you need he's a georgetown <laughs> alum so you have to excuse him for not caring about college basketball so, currently so there Speaking was the, of the 80s there was a, a um there was a year where they had the big fight at the end like the yancey gates team oh, yeah. i think if there was a fight like that at the end of a cincinnati crew game Crew fans would just start jumping in the Olentangy River, just like they, their their minds would just explode. Because there would be a lot of classless tweets. There was like oh, one. Yeah. There was like one beer thrown on the field after oh, I think okay. I think pretty serious provocation, and and people acted like you know we had like shit in their mouths. <laughs> it's yeah. That's that's why I said I think Xavier UC is a better rivalry too, is because. Xavier and UC fans would legit like shit on each other's mailboxes to prove a point where I don't think like the MLS can get, can get built on that hate as much where, yeah. and I agree that that even, and I think it's mostly because like the coaches have changed recently where you get Sean back, but like Mac versus, versus Mick. And then you have Huggins versus everyone else. JP really McCurrow versus Mick. <laughs> wow. Yes. Uh, JP McCurrow versus a lot of things. Um, <laughs> but where, uh, like, and even MLS, right? Like, who, would you say there's an FC Cincinnati coach where you're like a crew fan would be like, that's the guy we fucking hate? No. 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 Right? I mean, that's also you, they, they haven't been good until right now. Like, but all the time. until you get that, where you're like, that's yeah. the guy that. And it's different with pro, pro sports. And even like, is there really even a player that, what, like, well, the one player that that a crew fan can single out from FC Cincinnati and be like, "Fuck this guy" from, will from be, start to finish. It will be Yerson Mascara after the next game. I'll make. I'll bet every dollar in my wallet that that <laughs> yeah. will be the guy that they want to like run out of the country. Like they'll be calling ICE to have him deported or something. <laughs> <laughs> they storm the field to take him out themselves. <laughs> but the. Uh, but I think that's the difference until like. FC Cincinnati and 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 again, it, it, like you said, it's mostly the fact that FC Cincinnati has kind of been what like you know the subpar MLS team until until this year. Um, until that happens, and I think I think you're right where there needs to be a defining moment, like a, yeah. a fight or not even a full on fight, but like a skirmish or a contra a true 
I know there was one last year. What was it? The match in FC at, at FC yeah. Cincinnati yeah. that kind of had yeah. like the controversy at the end. Kind or of bullshit. Second bowl. half. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's the one that we blew like a four. We were like four one or three one something like that, and ended up drawing against ten. If that I remember was, correctly, that was NYCFC. I think was when we blew no, four one. Like, no, there was maybe it was two years ago against the crew. I think it might have been two seasons ago. Two years ago, we did blow, I think, a 3-1 when we were up. And they, and they yeah. had 10. 10 and men, that was the first time Caleb Porter shushed Shush. the crowd after a tie. And then last year, he did. And it was that was the game where Cucho ran to the corner. That's okay. And so he I caught, and he caught the beer and he... Yeah. If Porter had stuck around, I think the hatred would have built. He's a very hateable coach. But if you have more moments like that, yeah, with the hushing and and you do get like the little skirmish or and if, am I right that the one two seasons ago there was like a controversial goal disallowed or or allowed whatever it yeah. was. If if you get something like that to end a match or or yeah. late in a match, then I think you're talking about FCC and and crew is it could be a top. It could be a top three so rivalry in the MLS. The game in Columbus last year, the Crew's tying goal. No, the game here last year. Yeah, the Crew's tying goal was offside. Yeah, that's what. Okay, that's yeah. yeah. So and then all I, of MLS media tried to gaslight our fan base into saying he was absolutely onside, and we had every screenshot <laughs> and every line drawn on the diagrams explaining how he was very but, offside and Haglin's foot wasn't four feet long. But yeah. I think it's all been. But I think like those moments have been very one sided, and right. I think like there needs to be like you said, a coach or a player that has a moment that kind of uniquely gets under Columbus Crew's skin, right? 100%. In relation to probably like an FC Cincinnati comeback or win, you know, maybe in the playoffs or something, but like, I, think, really know it. I think there's like the DNA for it. It just hasn't kind of grown so, up yet. Or like a fan, a fan needs to like poison a tree or something like that. That would also <laughs> get done too, I think. <laughs> what, uh, what do you think are like the three top three rivalries in the MLS? And do you think that FCC and, and the crew could truly like solidify as one of those top three? Absolutely. I think I think the top two are El Trafico yep. and Cascadia, Seattle, Portland. Portland, yeah. I think there's a strong argument that we're at least number three. And I mean, Portland and, and Seattle have fantastic TIFOs. El Trafico is always going to have the stars and the the media market that it'll just make it bigger. But it's definitely better than the New York one. I think it's definitely better than Atlanta and Miami or Atlanta and Orlando. Better than I, the Texas teams rivalry. Well, because only one of the yeah. Texas teams draws. Right. right. Austin's the only one that draws, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then maybe St. Louis and Kansas City can become something, but I right think that's a similar new. boat to, yeah. Yeah. to FCC and, and, and Columbus. Because again, you talk about soccer hotbeds, those are two yeah. cities for just like, you know, this is a state of it. I, and then even Philly, like the Philly, New England, New York ones don't really. Yeah. The joke in MLS circles forever was that Philly just doesn't have a rival. Like we might actually be Philly's biggest rival just because we poached their their coach and their their technical director. And yeah, like, I'm trying to that's think like, it. Who, who would Phillies? Because it's like I guess you, DC, DC maybe. You would but think DC kind of sucks, but yeah, you would that's think only because it would have been until the second. Right. Yeah. 
Exactly. And DC and New York have had uh, a rivalry since 96. So they're, they've kind of been. Right. And then even then, so is at least Red Bull and Revolution. Yeah, exactly. So it's like Philly's been kind of, that is weird. I didn't think about that, that Philly really, yeah, I mean, Talk yeah. about a hateable city. They, they don't really have <laughs> right. anyone to. I don't even know who in. in a, there, there's no expansion going around there to, right. to add to it. Is there anything more Philly though than just deciding you hate everyone and have no real rival? <laughs> yeah, that's that's the most on brand Philly. <laughs> they just start coming to just yell at people for no reason. Like we hate you. We're like we don't care. Right. What is it, John? Will you shut up? <laughs> I just say Sheets is better, anyways. Um, oh, there you go. It is. I agree. Sheets is better than Wall. All right. Uh, so I, yeah. then I guess do you think it can solidify? I guess my 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 mm. final answer is: Do you think it can ever pass and be like? Let's say let's you know we compare it to college basketball. I, it's on brand with like Xavier, UC, and Purdue, Indiana, which is typically the third and fourth best rivalry. Do you think it can get to Duke, UNC, Kentucky, Louisville, which is always talked about as the clear one-two rivalry in college basketball? Right now in MLS, we everyone kind of agreed there's a, a clear top two. Do you think it can at least get to the same tier, if not past one of those? I think so. And I'll I'll tell you my argument why. I think Columbus Crew fans have an entitlement as being literally the first MLS franchise. They were here first. And they, you know, they they have ownership of the state of Ohio, right? Whereas FC Cincinnati, I think with the ownership group they have, the facilities, the academy, the ceiling is much higher. And I believe as FC Cincinnati continues to rise to the level that they're all projecting towards and have been since they started, they got off to a rough start in MLS, but once they reach closer and closer to their ceiling, I think that resentment in Columbus is going to build up and it's truly going to fuel this. I think you have enough pent up UC Ohio State rivalry, Cincinnati Columbus City rivalry that doesn't have an outlet really. I think, I think it'll. I think it'll match that. That makes sense. It's also, you know, you got to remember it's the same group of people that are keeping the Ohio State-Michigan rivalry relevant, even though it's in the middle of the Midwest, it's in flyover country. Um, And yeah, I think there's a little bit of that. There's a little bit of resentment. There has always been a history of civic resentment between these two regions. Um, Cincinnati does not consider it part of the state of Ohio. It's the independent sovereign republic of Cincinnati. It's got more in common... Cincinnati's might as well be Kentucky. Right. That's what everyone else says. But it's got more in common with that like river culture of Louisville and St. Louis than it does with the Rust Belt, like Columbus, when you're getting closer to the northern parts of Columbus. So, yeah. And then there's also, you know, there's a political history there, too, where Columbus has been the state of the the seat of power in the state. They don't really care as much about Cincinnati as they do as Cleveland and the northern part of the state when it comes to all sorts of things. So, yeah, I, I think it could get there. I think the only thing missing right now is history. But what is history in a league that's only like 25 years old? You, right, right. You right. know, in another that's 30 names, how many times? Right. Like another, team names and everything. In another 30 years, the difference between the Cascadia rivalry and FC Cincinnati Columbus will be minuscule over the course of the league's history. And I hope so. Because I, I, time back to what we started with, I think that will help the MLS grow in these soccer hotbeds where more. Younger casual fans are starting to tune in because, hey, I'm from Cincinnati. I'm supposed to hate everything from Columbus. So I'm going to cheer for FC Cincinnati because that's what we do. 
And that's the, sto- the- that's the story the league has to tell, too, is that the story the yeah. league has to be better at telling stories. And like, why should you if you were living in, you know, Des Moines, Iowa, why should you tune into this game between Cincinnati and Columbus? That's when you tell the story of why these two teams hate one another. And then eventually it does become to the thing where, yeah, Duke, North Carolina is must see TV, no matter how bad either team is or how good either team is, because it's just what you watch. It's just the 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 story is so well known. Yeah. Yeah. It becomes synonymous yeah. of sport. The story is so well known that you cannot imagine this sport without these two programs or these two these two teams. I hope so, man. I hope so. Because like I said, it it is nice as an outsider in Cincinnati to, to be on Cincinnati side in one thing in, in the sports world and, and actually enjoy going to a, like a home games and yeah. everything. So does this make up for the fact that you don't have an answer to where did you go to high school? Yeah, well, I, I tell them, I'm like, yeah, you were Catholic high school. What's up? They just look at me and I was like, you asked where I went, you don't, why not? But that, yeah, where did you go to high school? Especially when all my friends are not from Cincinnati originally too. Like somehow like us migrants all ended up kind of being friends on weird coincidences. So we get asked that. They're like, oh, like, you know, like me and my college roommate still lives here and, and our one friend and his friend from best friend from back home in the Toledo area live down here. And they're like, Oh, you guys all kind of know each other. You guys go to high school together. And they're like, Oh yeah, we did. Where'd you go? <laughs> We're Catholic. Oh man. They're like, Oh, you- elder. No, <laughs> not, not quite. Not quite I'd, the same. I had thing. a longstanding theory that you should be allowed to declare for a Cincinnati high school, that you should be able to pick one. And then, and then like, well, that's me, everybody. Every year, if you're a new resident of the city, they have like an open house and then you can declare as to which high school you want to claim that you're from here. Do in I have to pay if I choose a private school? If I'm like, this seems to be really good. I'm just no, going to pick one. I'm going to be the bandwagon team. I think the private school pays you because yeah, if you're a prominent that, person, it's like, you know, <laughs> hey, yeah. Oh, yeah. Roger Bacon. They'd love to have Riggs on their side. Just getting <laughs> exactly. a lump out there. <laughs> just going crazy for like the uh, St. X Trinity game. It's like it's NIL money for uh, for aged alums where it's like free aged alums. <laughs> right. Or not St. X Trinity. St. X Moeller. It's Louisville yeah. in my mind. Yeah, I would I actually do like that because it is. Cincinnati is the smallest not, not the smallest big cities i think that might actually be like boston but like the smallest major city that yeah. i can think of where you just talk to one person you're like oh yeah i went to high school with this person and know that i'm like how do you know how do you even know that person why do you know this person and it's uh i feel like you run into the same people over and over again which i i, I love it's a yeah like i said I, i've made this home now for 13 and a half years so uh I guess I should just say fuck Columbus while I'm at it and make really drive home the uh the point that uh that I like I, I do love FC Cincinnati. And again, it is fun having a team that started going to matches when they're at Nippert and, and USL because you know, like my wife likes soccer too, and it was like, oh perfect, boom. We both have the same team we can cheer for and a sport that we both like. We can go watch matches. To the point where we are now and and to tie back what we said originally, I just hope it keeps growing because it is best for the sport from a casual fan standpoint to a, to a, a diehard fan standpoint. You don't have to be like the cliche hockey fan or like what was always joked about old soccer fans of you don't have to beg to like my sport and then be a, a, a gatekeeper when a new person tries to come in. It's right. Hopefully it just gets to the point, like just get to the point of baseball where it's like, everyone knows it, just watch it and no one cares. Yeah. 
yeah, that's that's the dream. Uh, well, my gosh, you've been incredibly generous with your time here. Um, I, I will leave you with just one one last quick question, and then we'll we'll call it quits oh, yeah. here. Oh, go ahead. You can implement ProRel in any American sport or league Ooh. that is not Major League Soccer. Where are you putting it? Um, that's tough. <laughs> because you can't really do it with football, right? There's no minor league football team. Like the yeah. US of what the, the USFL, like uh, it doesn't make yeah. sense. Get the rock in the XFL football, involved. though. No, because any like even Alabama, guess what? Every NFL team has 53 <laughs> guys from Alabama. Right. Um <laughs> baseball, if you could find a way to make it work with baseball in terms of contracts, because like you know, AAA yeah. is, is a affiliate and they get called up. If there was a way to kind of figure that out, I think baseball would make a lot of sense. But at the same time, then it does kind of mirror soccer too, to a degree where it's like, there's no hard salary cap. There's no salary cap. Your divisions are pretty the well laid out. There. there is a luxury tax that kind of feels bullshit, much like financial fair play. <laughs> right, so. right. It's, it's it perfect. exists in theory, yeah. The bad guys wear blue. Like, it's, it makes sense. Um basketball would be similar to baseball too, where I could see it somewhat working in basketball, but like the G league, we have the two way deals and everything. I would say probably yeah. baseball because baseball is a sport that needs, I, I use help in quotation marks the most right. where it's the clear number three or number four spot, you know, in, in, in America behind football and basketball, where if you're so if you're like if you're the athletics right now sweating out relegation <laughs> in the middle of the summer yeah you'd be you trying be a little harder there yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I still think it works best i think it would be the most electric content known to mankind if like the big 10 and the mac had like a relegation oh, college sports, <laughs> for sure if we if you get like uh there should be like tie-ins right like yeah each each major conference is a like European country for soccer. So like the SEC is Premier League. Big 10 is La Liga, whatever. Big 12 would actually probably make more sense for La Liga. Big 10 is like League One. Yeah. Um, where, but then like the mat or like, or uh, the Sun the Belt like, for the SEC. Yeah. Right. So the Sun Belt <laughs> is the championship. And it's like Troy is playing against Middle Tennessee for a shot in the playoff. And like, have that be, have that be played at I don't know like Jacksonville or or somewhere right. like that. You get like some like Illinois Northwestern game where they're like fighting through relegation and the loser of this game's going down to the MAC next year. It's like oh they scored a touchdown. This might be enough to cover the goal differential. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would be awesome. Where it's like you get a chance next year to come back. You just got to beat Northern Illinois. Like why not? <laughs> right, right. I yeah, actually, you'll... you know, college football is the right answer. College football is 100% right answer because there's enough teams. It's what, 112, 120 teams. So there's enough to make it. You could, you could pull it off. Like, I like just it. make bowl games pr promotion relegation games. Oh, my We're God. Set. <laughs> We're set. That would be awesome. Now right, bowl games like, matter. <laughs> the Music City Bowl presented by the SEC relegation. 
<laughs> just Vanderbilt's in there every year. Oh my God. No, I, I absolutely love it. No, uh, Riggs, you've been, like I said, very generous with your time. Thank you so much. Um, where, where can people find you if, if they're not familiar with their work? Yes. Yeah, anywhere on social media, uh, Marcel Riggs, R-E-A-G-S, uh, obviously the website, marcelsports.com, uh, and just kind of wherever else pops up. So yeah, appreciate you guys having me on always blast. Uh, I will, I'm in talks to try to get down to an FC Cincinnati game um, here soon, trying to figure that out for do a little content down there. Uh, but also, you know, I usually tend to let people know when I go down there because it's such a great time. And, and I love seeing the diehard fans because they are, oh. the, the march gets me every time. I love being at the pitch and seeing the march. Come, fight on, the, come on down, yeah. Fight the good fight. More MLS content on Barstool. <laughs> I try, man. It actually does well. It's like, I'll blog it. I'm like, all of a sudden, actually, Cincinnati fans are like, wait, you like MLS? I'm like, well, yeah, but it's also a hilarious video where your guy just like started freaking out for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, awesome. Thank you so much. No problem. Thanks a lot, guys. Psych, we're back. Part three. Hey, folks, it's uh, Grayson here. Um, once again, I'm having to come to you remotely because of my uh, travel obligations. But uh, I'd like to talk a second about what I think is on my mind and what I think is on everybody's mind, which is uh, uh, the the news about Lucho's intention to become a citizen of the United States and a member of the United States men's national team. Um, so I think there's, there's been a bit of confusion, uh, really on my part, but I think on everybody else's part too, on what needs to be satisfied to, um, you know, for Lucho to make that, make that jump to the U S men's national team. He needs to both naturalize as a United States citizen, and he has to meet FIFA requirements for eligibility to represent the United States. These are two different, two different things. Okay. So, um, first we need to figure out, um, whether, whether Lucho is eligible for citizenship. I mean, I assume he is, if he's applied for it, um, he makes enough money to hire an immigration lawyer. So I, I mean, I'm sure this is done for him, but, um, the numbers that I saw for my quick research, and again, if you want to talk to an immigration lawyer about it, I recommend that you do so. It looks like he has to be a lawful permanent resident for five years and um, have had continuous presence or been present in the United States for at least two and a half years or at least half of the time that he's been a permanent resident. So if those numbers are correct... um. He clearly meets the requirements because um, he received his green card in January 2018, and here we are in June of um, a year. I don't want to say because it reminds me of uh, you know the ever, ever, uh, ever marching progress of time. Um, but uh, I do, I do want to say so the the United States Citizenship and Immigration Services has a naturalization eligibility tool. 
And I thought, I'm thinking that I'm going to do this um, as if I'm Lucho. So if you bear with me or you want to skip through this, that's fine. So uh, as far as I know, neither of his parents was a U.S. citizen. Um, He's 18 or older. He's not in the armed forces, although I'm sure he would be very useful. He is a lawful permanent resident. He became a lawful permanent resident before September 13th, 2018. He has left the United States in the past five years. Have they just been longer than six months? Yes. Um, none of these apply. He is not a minister or a representative of the United States. Uh, he's not a relative of a U.S. Armed Service member. Not a U.S. national. Well, that wasn't helpful because that says he's not eligible to apply for naturalization. Anyway, like I said, I'm sure there's plenty um, that we don't know that's going on behind the scenes. And um, and he's got that part under control. Now, the other the other the other portion is um, uh, man, that really did not go how I uh, expected it to go. Anyway, so the other part is the FIFA rules. And, you know, the FIFA rules say that um, for a player who holds a nationality but was not born there, does not have a biological parent from there, and doesn't have a grandmother or grandfather from there, they must have, quote, lived on the territory of the relevant association for at least five years. Now, we know that uh, Lucho spent a portion of time in um in Mexico playing for Atlas in 2020 um maybe he didn't spend more than more than 6 months there so maybe that changes the immigration tool but um the question is whether you know if he was to get citizenship tomorrow would he be eligible for the men's national team it looks to me like the question is whether it's 5 consecutive years or five total years and the the way it's written is very confusing because um you know article five paragraph four says that the period of physical presence is interrupted and time requirement resets where a player is transferred to a club affiliated to a different association so that seems like it must be five consecutive years. Um, but elsewhere, they talk about the requirement as more of a year-by-year basis. And what I think is very interesting is that a prior version of the presence requirement um, previously required two continuous years of of, of presence Um in that in that country and um they've removed the word continuously from the current version of the article and they've uh increased the time period so my thinking if i were trying to persuade somebody of this would be that if you're taking the word continuously out of the article it must not 
actually require continuous presence anymore, just a longer total time period. And as to that time period resetting, what I would suggest is that what that really means is that if you're if you're in a country in a year where you transfer to a team abroad, that year can't be counted towards your uh, necessary time period. So, so for example, if he moved to Mexico in January of 2020, he doesn't get credit for a couple of weeks that he might have lived in um, that he might have lived in uh, the United States before before that move. But as long as you can say that you've had five full years where you've been a resident of that country, then you should be allowed to be eligible for the national team. And, you know, since since U.S. soccer seems to have backed his bid, um, I'm thinking that there's actually probably a decent likelihood that the five years doesn't have to be continuous. Um, maybe I'm wrong. I, I didn't research whether there were other examples of players who tried to switch, but but really what I'm what I'm looking at is the fact that the rule used to require continuously um, and now it doesn't. So um, yeah, I'm hopeful. I mean, I think I think Lucio has an argument that in certain formations he could be a starter for the men's net for the US national team. And I think at least he has an argument that if they were putting together your best 23 players, um, for a tur- for a must win tournament kind of situation like a World Cup, um, I think he's clearly in that twenty three because he brings things to the table that nobody else brings um, in the in the U.S. national team pool. Um, so anyway, that's my thoughts. There's no game this weekend, so nothing to preview. Um, there will be more from the ref CBA at some point. I don't know. Whenever we we'll never have time. Uh, anyway, uh, Opefest, July 15th. Love you. Bye. And, well, Chief. Fuck Columbus. All of the music in this podcast was done by Jim Trace and the Makers, an amazing local Cincinnati band. You can find more information about them in the description of this episode. Also, be sure to check out The Post Cincy at thepostcincy.com. That's where we're posting our written content. You'll find a wide range of content there posted regularly. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating or review on your favorite podcast app. Or better yet, share this episode with a friend, a family member, a fellow FC Cincinnati fan, somebody you think might enjoy this content, please send it on over uh, to them. We would really, really appreciate that. And if you haven't done so already, we do have a Discord server. Feel free to drop in and join the conversation happening there. Again, links to that can be found on the website or in the description of this episode. Thank you so much for listening.